We don't know his name. But here in this account of Paul's visit in Athens, where he proclaimed the good news, gave an account for the hope that was in him. A couple of folks who were given that same hope were also given the kind of peculiar and very rare honor of having their actual names written into the Holy Scriptures. And unlikely names they are. Foreign names like Dionysius and a woman named Damaris. For my shame, my sin weighed upon your shoulder, my soul now to stand. Eden read for us when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some scoffed. But others said, we will hear you again about this. At that point, Paul left them, but some of them joined him and became believers including Dionysius, the Areopagite, and a woman named Damaris, and others with them. So on this uh, somewhat gloomy, rainy morning, I look out and see that you are here again. You've come to worship. You've probably got many other things that you need to get done or could have uh, been working on, or you could have rolled over and pulled the covers up and stayed right where you were not long ago, which uh, many would understand. There are lots of other places you could be. But here you are again in worship. There's no law that says you had to come here this morning. And I suppose... A few of us might be here out of uh, some sense of guilt, perhaps. I haven't been to haven't been to church for quite a while. I better I better get over there. There are probably a few here this morning out of curiosity, if you're honest, not precisely sure what you believe. So, whatever your status here this morning, whether you're a skeptic or you're curious, or you've been a member of the church your your whole life, you made the effort to be here at worship. And I'm going to guess that most of you are here on your own accord. No one forced or coerced you to be here. You're here because your faith is a source of comfort to you. Uh, or because you're looking to have that kind of faith. We didn't read it, but another scripture the lectionary lists for today is from 1 Peter. It says, Always be ready to make a defense to anyone who demands from you an account of the hope that is in you. I wonder if you can do that. If your faith provides you with a sense of of joy and gratitude or hope? Could you defend that hope in a world that may contradict it on some level? Or even scoff? Natalia shared how following a funeral last week, she had a gentleman trying to uh, quiz her on, on the faith that she shares. And there are plenty of folks who 
think that you're a little bit off your rocker for being here this morning. If your faith is, in fact, a source of comfort to you, uh, meaningful, a source of deep and lasting joy, can you defend that faith for anyone who might ask or scoff? This week, Paul is out there proclaiming the gospel of Christ, the same good news that he tried to snuff out for most of his adult, adult life by persecuting the followers of Jesus, the people of the way, as they were referred to at the time. Paul's out there now establishing churches and developing leaders. And even though he complains about not being eloquent, Paul finds himself defending the hope that is in him in one of the most sophisticated cultural centers of his day. Paul is in the city of Athens in this week's text, the home of Pericles and Plato. In other words, Paul is in the very heart of the best that pagan culture has to offer. Athens was where the best minds of the Mediterranean world gathered to pursue that legendary Athenian curiosity. It was an international seacoast town, and like most seacoast towns even now, you could find just about anything that you could want. Just picture the busiest, most eclectic marketplace. Artists and craftsmen and sellers of exotic goods and elaborate statues of every god that anybody ever dreamed up were scattered about this city. These renowned sculptures did not make Paul feel like Snapchatting his friends back home. Luke tells us Paul was deeply distressed to see that the city was full of idols. Paul wasn't in Athens as a tourist. He was there to reach out with the gospel to anybody who would listen. So he started preaching in the local synagogues and even got up enough nerve to set up shop in the middle of that busy marketplace where everybody who was anybody went to promote their own views on politics and religion. Even the town's university crowd hung out there. And when they heard Paul holding forth, they were intrigued. Not only did this foreigner hold his own debating the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers who were there in the crowd. He was talking about things that they had just never heard of before. Some said, what does this babbler want to say? He seems to be a proclaimer of foreign divinities. Even so, Paul is invited to come down to the Areopagus where they hoped that he would bring some of his best stuff. It was not all that surprising. This sophisticated town was famous for its curiosity and in any new and interesting idea. As Luke tells us, now all the Athenians and the foreigners living there would spend their time in nothing but telling or hearing something new. I, I imagine on some levels we could say the very same thing about our culture today. What we have next is an account of what Paul said to them there in that busy marketplace, that seacoast town. 
Think about it. Paul comes as a sojourner from a defeated and occupied land to give an account of the hope that is in him, to defend the hope that is in him to these sophisticated and skeptical Athenians. And so he begins, Athenians, I see how extremely religious you are in every way. I'm not even sure if Paul meant that as a compliment or kind of a backhanded criticism. I see you're very, very religious people, he begins. We could probably say the same thing about our country. Every poll that is taken indicates that the vast majority of Americans say they believe in God. Well, Paul mentions the vast array of statues and idols he's been seeing throughout the city. It was like saying, you people have a God for everything. What would God look like if you were able to choose? What characteristics would your God have? For Paul says, as I went through the city and looked carefully at the objects of your worship, I found among them an altar with an inscription to an unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, He who was Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in shrines made by human hands. He is not far from each one of us. Paul goes on to say in this it's just beautiful phrase that Natalia and I were just commenting on. And it's taken from, from their own poets. For in Him we live and move and have our being. In Him we live and move and have our being. As some, even some of your own poets have said, for we too are his offspring. Paul is including his listeners. He's not drawing lines between himself and them. He's drawing lines around them that include them. We too are his children. In him, all of us live and move and have our being. And suddenly that crowd of curious onlookers found themselves faced with a challenge that the days of safely worshiping an unknown God hmm, who can be defined in whatever way suits your desires, what characteristics would you give God if you could choose? Those days are over. And that, says Luke, is when some scoffed. It's a great word to find in the Bible. <laughs> scoffed. The lectionary leaves off the last three verses. For the life of me, I don't know why. We started with them. When they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some scoffed. But others said, we will hear you again about this. At that point, Paul left them, but some of them joined him and became believers, including Dionysius, the Areopagite, and a woman named Damaris, and others with them. Now, 
we've pointed out on occasion that it's fairly difficult to get your, your actual name included in the Bible, right? There are all kinds of famous biblical characters known to all of us on some level for whom we have no names. There's the rich young ruler. What must I do, Jesus, to inherit the kingdom of heaven? Was his name Bob or Steve or Dave? The rich young ruler is how we know him. The prodigal son or his older brother or their dad for that matter. We don't know their names. The woman at the well. Remember her? Remember her name? The man born blind. Remember Jesus spit in the dirt and made mud and smeared it on his eyes and healed him? The Good Samaritan. One of the most famous of all biblical characters. We don't know his name. But here in this account of Paul's visit in Athens where he proclaimed the good news, gave an account for the hope that was in him, a couple of folks who were given that same hope were also given the kind of peculiar and very rare honor of having their actual names written into the Holy Scriptures. And unlikely names they are. Foreign names like Dionysius and a woman named Damaris. In a way, their response to the Gospel was the beginning of the hope that draws us together here this morning around this table. We read about Paul's determination to share the good news no matter what it costs him and with anyone who will listen. And even if they scoff at him, well, he'll be laughed at, but he'll also be beaten and jailed, condemned. Paul will not be silenced. He will proclaim the good news of the death and resurrection of Jesus and help establish the young church, the community of faith in Christ. And because of that, because of that, you can draw a straight line from Paul standing in that busy marketplace in the city of Athens to those of us here this morning. I look up on this gloomy day, and here you are <laughs> at worship, part of God's church. And this brings me to why we're all here this morning and what I came to say. This is why we're here. It's because your name, your actual name, is also written into the Word of God along with all of the others. We've had a good number of baptisms lately. Uh, last week, Little Everett was having so much fun being baptized that he was splashing and carrying on in the waters of baptism in a just beautiful image of how we should all feel about being named and claimed and chosen by God, baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. You have been named. I will not leave you orphaned, Jesus said. Because I live, you also will live. Whether you're skeptical or doubting 
or deeply faithful or curious. We're here this morning because before we walk through all of that stuff, Christ came looking and found us. When he found us, he wrote our names into the book of life. The Logos is the living Word of God. And that story now includes your name. Like Natalia reminded us last week, this is pure gift. It is gospel, good news. And on this gloomy morning, it is enough. It is more than enough. You would not expect that someone uh, whose holy homeland had been destroyed, uh, the, the place of worship, the holy temple had been leveled, the, the land is occupied by a, a foreign enemy, by the Romans. You would not think that this person would be out there on the road sharing this good news that he can't just keep to himself. But that's what we have here this morning. Paul there in the city of Athens saying, I notice you have an altar to the unnamed God. Martin Luther would often speak of uh, the hidden God, God hidden, hidden in nature, hidden uh, before God's revelation of God's self in Christ. And the revealed God is the preached God, the proclaimed God, the living Son of God. That God has come again here this morning to say to you, this here is my body given for you. This is my blood shed for you for the forgiveness of your sin. Uh, this is who you are in the world. Your name is written into the living Logos Word of God. And so now you can go not fearful whether or not you still have doubts and questions, whether or not you still carry some burden, some fear, some shame even. However you feel is not the point. What happened was Christ said to you, My body, my blood, given and shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins. You have been named in God's Word. So you leave here with that as your identity. And we go together in peace to love and serve the Lord. Thanks be to God. Who made it all?